On today's show, our guest is Shanali Burke. Shanali is an innovative communication strategist whose social marketing expertise transforms the brand communications of purpose-driven organizations for bottom-line results. She has over two decades in the greater branding and marketing space and works at the nexus of social technologies and marketing communications to help organizations more impactfully connect with their stakeholders. Welcome to the show, Shinali. It's great to have you. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Joe. This is exciting. I'm very excited to have you. (laughs) Now, there's a lot in your background that I want to go over today, but I really want to start of your at your first career and i understand because you told me this <laughs> is that you spent some time as an actress can you tell I us did. some more about that <laughs> yeah so thank you for asking um you know honestly sometimes it feels like a lifetime ago but i had acted ever since i was a child as many of us do and as i um as I kind of continued in community theater in India, it was something I became very, very passionate about. So my parents told me that if I finished college, (laughs) then I could go to theater school, you know, Mm -hmm. it was a good old, have something you can fall back on. So I did. And I um, went to a very well-known theater school in Asia called the National School of Drama, which is in New Delhi, India. Um, Spent a year then working in the repertory company associated with the school, which is also very um, well regarded, which was really, really wonderful. And... And I just loved it. So I primarily did theater um, at the national level, traveled all over India, um, trained with some really wonderful people, not just in mm-hmm. India, but who came to teach us from theater schools abroad as well. And then started to parlay that into a little bit of film and television, wow. into public relations and um, and the radio as well, actually. I was, uh, I was a radio jockey for a oh, while. Oh, wow. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> so... Where are where are some of these movies? What what are some of the titles? Can we watch? Oh any my of these? god! No, 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 no! You cannot watch any of them. <laughs> so you've you've made sure that they're completely out of existence. They are hidden. They are in a treasure chest at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Well, what about some of the DJing? Uh, could you t- tell us about that? Are there any audio clips that you could share? Oh, I wish, I wish there were, you know, there was a, um, the very first FM station in India Mm -hmm. was called Times FM and they had like, I think we used to broadcast for like two hours or something back in the day. And I was given one of these uh, shows because, you know, I was an actress and, oh, this is, this is kind of a fun fact related to the acting. So when, um, when cell phones, when mobile phones were introduced in India, obviously that was a big deal. And by that time, I had graduated um, repertory. I'd finished working there. And I was then uh, stationed in Calcutta, which is where I'm originally mm-hmm. from. And I was actually working with the PR and marketing agency there. But I still had my my hand in kind of in the, in the performance space. And Telstra, which was the first company to start up mobile phone operations in India, was, for some reason, headquartered in Calcutta. And as luck would have it, they were a client at my PR agency, but they also knew of my acting background. And so they hired me to voice, to be the voice of Telstra 
So back in the day, anybody who had a Telstra phone number, if it's called Modi Telstra, okay. if you call, you know how sometimes yeah. you'll, you'll call yeah. and you'll get that recording that says, the number you have yeah, reached yeah. is not in service. Please try. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> is that voice still in service somewhere? Oh, man, I wish it was. You know, I should probably try and contact some of my friends. I'm still friendly with, with some of them to see if they have any archives of those. It would be kind of fun to to pull out. But my dad, he was so cute. He had a Telstra phone number and um, he'd just dial numbers to hear my Aww. voice sometimes. <laughs> I know, it's so sweet. Well, I wish we had that, that voice right now. We could insert it into the show so everyone could hear Oh my God, can I just tell you how painful it was to do those recordings? <laughs> I think we were in a studio for like eight hours and two days and literally painful because, you know, that's just the nature yeah. of the game, as you know, I love to do it. It was, it was super fun, but literally you have to record things like one, two, three, four, mm -hmm. you know, obviously, right? Because then, then all of that gets edited depending on what, um, <laughs> what somebody's dialing. It was an experience. <laughs> wow. Wow. This is pretty, it's very impressive. So you did the acting, you did the DJing, you did the voice of the telephone. Yes. And after that, where, where did you go? Because you said earlier that you went to college as kind of a fallback plan. So did you then do the fallback mm -hmm. plan? Well, no, I, so I'd already gone to college. I got, so my bachelor's is in mm -hmm. economics um, and my minors were math and political science. And so my ma my theater program was a master's program. So I already had my bachelor's in hand. And, and after finishing with repertory, then I was, you know, freelancing. I was um, a working actress and director. And I also started working with a PR agency in India. That's how I got my first exposure mm -hmm. to PR. Um, and, you know, I was <laughs> quite happy being uh, a freelancer, as it were, running my own events management firm. I had a lot of fun and got some really cool gigs. But then I moved to the U.S. Um, in 2000 after mm -hmm. I got married. And when I moved here, I really had the opportunity to start my life all over again, really, from, from a you know blank slate, as it were. And... The theater had been so intense. It was very rigorous, but it was really, really intense. And honestly, I was exhausted. I could not see myself probably going back to theater school, you know, earning my stripes all over again because I was in a brand new country. And just, I, I, just, I just couldn't see myself doing that. So I looked around at alternate careers and uh, was very interested in the legal profession. But I remember I actually had an interview with a with a with a law firm um, for a paralegal position. And after about ten minutes of my phone interview, the lady on the other end she said, "Please don't apply for this job because you will get it because you're smart, but you'll be so Aww. bored that you won't last. So please don't apply." <laughs> so I. Um, I looked around and I decided to get a job in the PR mm -hmm. industry because I'd already done that in India. So I thought I had an understanding of the space. I enjoy communication. I love bringing people together. I'm good at storytelling. Um, and so that's what I did. I networked my way into working with a small PR and marketing agency in San Francisco and just kind of went from there. Got it. So you did the thing in San Francisco and then eventually you had a very great success within PR, and that was revamping the strategy for the ASPCA. 
Yes, that was that was really a wonderful experience. So how that happened was that a few years later, uh, my husband and I had moved mm-hmm. to D.C. and I was recruited by the ASPCA a couple of years into my stay in D.C. I was working at a different agency at that point um, to join them. The then CEO and I had worked together in San Francisco because at the time, previously, he'd been the CEO of the San Francisco SPCA. So we'd already developed a really good working relationship. He knew how passionate I was about the animal welfare space. And so I joined them in 2006 uh, with this kind of BHAG, you know, the big hairy audacious goal that people love to to pursue. And the stated goal um, in the strategic plan was to make the ASPCA the top referenced source for the media on animal welfare within the United States. And that was their the goal for the communications department, which didn't exist at the time. Um, and that was the five-year goal. We were already one year into the planning process, so that meant I had four years to achieve this goal. And that scared the bejesus out of me. It's like, oh my God, not only am I dealing with one of the most respected brands in the country, but it's kind of like this massive goal. How on earth do you achieve that? Um, What I did instinctively um, was really pull on my love for research and measurement, which I'd started learning a lot about in my previous agency position because they were very research driven and really started we first thing we did was an audit to really understand where we stood in the minds of this dated audience and then based on that on the findings of that audit uh, we started to essentially put in place an agency system mm-hmm. for the organization really ramped up the news bureau uh, function for the organization and and really worked in a very integrated uh, marketing communications fashion in a way that if you think about it in 2006 was not really common you know integrating digital analytics working with the web team working with developers yeah. to understand what the kpis were and really putting in place a solid measurement program for communications which is much more common today I've, i'm happy to say but then it really wasn't common and and that led us uh, to have some collectively some very big wins. It seems very bizarre that looking back, it wasn't that long ago that the strategy was so different and in a lot of ways a bit disjointed than it is today. It's it's very fascinating to me. I don't know how you feel about it. It really is. And I think, you know, in, in some, sometimes when I look back, it kind of felt like the Wild West, you know, because in the early 2000s, um, I still remember when I was at my previous agency, Ruder Finn, which is a great agency, um, people started talking about, quote unquote, this thing called blogging. And I, had, I remember I had an intern, I was in charge, I always seemed to be put in charge of, you know, professional development, because I love teaching and, and mentoring. And, and so they always give that to me. And um, I had an intern who said, hey, Shanali, can I do a lunch and learn on blogging? And I want to talk to people about this thing called Technorati. And I said, sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, back in the day, and I remember some of the senior executives were like, hmm, well, this stuff is just not going to take off. We're just going to keep up with our, you know, our media relations and our pitching. And look at us now. Um, but yeah, back in the day, with I don't think anyone ever expected, uh, you know, democratized content the way we know it now and social media. I mean, 
no one ever thought that social media would would be how we communicate these days. Right. So, so there was no market study showing anyone that this is the way the world was going to communicate. You know, I I wonder. I don't remember anything in HVAP at least um, around that. It would be really interesting to see if there was anything. Yeah, just to see that end. if anyone predicted the market and what it is to versus what it was supposed to be 10 years ago, 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah. I'm actually doing some research for a course I'm developing on organizational communication. So I am going to research that. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, be glad to know what you find out. <laughs> now you also mentioned a bit about the researching and the measuring, which wasn't really a big thing. And it sounds like you really like doing that. And in a lot of ways, I think that may have led you uh, to the HBAP program at Harvard where we met. Given that you have a background in that before you started school and you are graduating in a few weeks, is that correct? I am. I'm graduating on March 31st. Oh, okay. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. And congratulations <laughs> to you for having graduated already. Oh, thank you. But the one thing I wanted to ask you about, given your background in data and analysis, how, how did the program really give you a different perspective, different ideas as to how to do your job better. It has given me that language of analytics, that that vocabulary that I can use with my colleagues who are more immersed in analytics or in data science or in IT, really an understanding of how does all of this impact the growth and the progress of an organization and, and a business. And from a communication point of view, what it's shown me is how critical communication is to digital innovation. Because if you don't have that, and if you think back to the very first course that we all have to do, which is digital strategy and innovation, where we learn about the trajectory of innovative organizations and how technology has fueled innovation, we kept coming back case after case to whether or not the the growth of the organization um, was impacted by communication and how it was impacted. You know, could it go from vertical silos to more of a modular approach? And that had in so many instances mm -hmm. to do with communication. So it's really showing me how critical communication is as a business function. And I feel that with my background and experience in the communication space, with my understanding of communication metrics, but now having this additional language of business analytics to lay on top of it, um, I can really give a lot to a purpose-driven organization because that's where I want to work and help them understand how to fuel that growth. Yeah, no, that's great. I think those are some really great insights. In terms of the communications, it's obviously very important to you. I also understand that you teach communications at Johns Hopkins University. I do. That must be pretty amazing. What course do you teach there? It is really amazing. I have been adjunct faculty at Johns Hopkins since 2009, and I actually teach um, up to four courses for the MA communication program. So I teach graduate students all over the world. And so I teach a range of courses. One is communication.org, nonprofits in the digital age. Um, I teach public relations writing. I teach uh, PR in the age of digital influence because I've done a lot of work in uh, the space of influence marketing. And um, I also teach a course, the one that I mentioned that I'm researching and redeveloping on organizational communication. Also, as it relates to communications, you've also done a few TED Talks. And I've, I've, I've watched, I've watched them and they're very, very great. 
you're a very good storyteller. You build suspense, very great stage presence. It's really enjoyable. I wish I can give a speech the way that you do. Oh, thank you. That's so kind of you. I really, really appreciate them. If if anyone out there wants to give a TED Talk, do you have any tips on how they might go about doing that? That's a really kind uh, statement and question. So thank you on both counts. Um, I think with any of these talks, as you know, and you and I have talked about this prior, uh, preparation is so critical. And storytelling, which is what you touched on, is really, I think, the way to go. I think the world is seeing that now. I mean, that's how we absorb information best. That's how we retain information, which is why there's such an emphasis on storytelling in business communications. You look at visual communications, it's all about stories. So if you remember my TEDx, the one that you're referring to that I did in 2012, um, it all centered around three words, the space between. And I told three stories about how, for me, technology is wonderful because it helps us collapse the space between us and our dreams. And I told a couple of personal stories and, and then one of, of my colleague who was a social entrepreneur at the time. But the message was the same. And it was, you know, it was the story build. I don't ever learn anything word for word, even though I used to be an actress. So, you know, I'm used to learning scripts. But because I want the delivery to be natural. But what I need to know in my head is what's the next line? What's the next step? Yeah, that's very fascinating because I've, I've never taken an acting course. But you, you, could, you could tell me this. I'll ask you the question. You could tell me the answer. I'm imagining if I'm an actor or an actress, I'm knowing what my lines are but I'm saying it in a way that I don't sound like I'm reading from the script or I sound robotic. Yeah. 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 You know, absolutely. And, um, you're kind of like, I wish I had my theater books. Here. <laughs> I actually <laughs> might have them in my basement cause I brought them back from India a few years ago. Um, you know, action acting is really about reacting. And that that's, that was drilled into me in, in theater school. And, Every time, you know, I think Peter Brooks said this and words to the effect that all that you need for a piece of theater is two people and a space. So you have a performer and audience and the space between them. You know, there we go again with the space between. And it's all about if you have two performers or in a way you and I right now, as we're talking to each other, you're listening and you're reacting and I'm listening and I'm responding. And True acting, yes, you've got to know the script, you've got to know, you know, what is the plot and all of that, unless it's pure improvisation, which gets you know nothing. Um, but but assuming there is, you know, a script and all of that, yes, you have to know the mechanics of it, but the truth of the performance, I think, comes across when you're actually listening and then reacting. And that's where I think that really powerful um, theater happens. Wow. That's really great. I, I love I love that. Well, just like right now, like I know our listeners can't see us, but like literally you've been listening and you absorbed it and you thought about it and you reacted. Yeah, I think that's important, not just for a, a podcast, but for a lot of people or maybe even everyone. Now, in terms of the communications, we, we've talked a little bit about your work there, but there's also another piece that you're working on and it's a new public relations book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what is this book called? Thank you for asking. So I'm super excited. Um, I am authoring 
a book called The Non-Obvious Guide to PR and Communication. And the working subtitle is Earning Attention and Building Trust in a Skeptical World. And this is the first time I've written before and I, you know, I've been quoted in business books. Um, I've published some nonfiction stuff, but this will be the first time I'm actually authoring a business book. So I'm super excited about it. Wow. When can we expect to see this on sale? Oh my gosh, I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that. Um, I am, you know, uh, I, I will get back to you on that. I promise you can add it to the show notes or something, but hopefully, hopefully, hopefully late summer of 2021. That's it's impressive. I, I, I really must say you are a true Renaissance woman from acting to DJing, the voice of, I forget the company's name. Telstra. Telstra. <laughs> yeah, Modi Telstra. <laughs> to public relations, <laughs> professorships, TED Talks, and now a book. Very wow. impressed. <laughs> Thank you. That's really kind of you, Joe. I just, you know, I look at every my colleagues in HBAP, you know, wonderful, impressive people like you that I've met, and I just kind of go, what? I'm with them? Nah. <laughs> now, I have one last question for you. It's a question that I ask every guest. Do you say data or data? Data. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. <laughs> I had a, a very great time chatting with you today. It's always a pleasure. You're very easy to talk to easy to listen to. And I really appreciate the time. So thank, thank you so much, Shanali. Oh, Joe, it was absolutely my pleasure. You are really easy to talk to and listen to as well. Thank you for listening to the You Say Data, I Say Data podcast. To become a member, sponsor, donor, or podcast guest, please visit us at analyticsimpactnetwork.org.